seated, everyone. Good morning to you. I'm sorry. Good morning to you. Thank you. That helps me so very much. During 40 days of prayer, we've got the prayer guides. I pray that you're using at your home. There is the Lord's Supper here at this station, this station. If you're walking with Jesus at any time, come up during the service. You can come to the altar and take it. You can go back to your seat and take it. And also on our prayer walls, we had hundreds and hundreds of names, and now we're starting all over. So if you have a loved one that needs the Lord's touch, you put their name up there as an act of faith, and we'll all agree with you that the Lord will touch them and help them take the next step toward him. This is our buddy Trey Ken. Everybody say good morning, Trey. And that is his lovely wife, Marianne. Would you stand up? Thank you. Thank you. They pastor in Austin, Texas, a church a lot like ours. And he has been at his church 30 years, right? 30 years, yes. It's amazing. And we went to the same university, or Roberts University. And Trey is one of the leaders of the Austin and Texas prayer movement. That is changing a lot of churches and lives. And someone gave me his book three years ago, City of Prayer. And it has helped our church. And we are spreading the word of covering our entire city with unceasing prayer. We've got 20 churches. We're going to get more to cover our city continually in prayer. So let's pray for our brother Trey, stretch your hand out of faith. Father, thank you. Thank you that you brought Trey and Mary Ann to be a part of our family this weekend and to help our city. Lord, pour out a spirit of prayer here. Yes. Pour out a spirit of prayer in every one of our homes. Pour out a spirit of prayer across this nation and in our city, Father. And Father, give us tender heart. Give us a gift of faith today and change us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. What an honor to be here. Marianne spoke to the ladies yesterday. She said it was amazing. I got to speak on Friday night for the encounter service. Hey, by the way, you have one of the greatest, you have the greatest pastor I know, all right? <laughs> pastor Steve, his wife Sue, they're some of the greatest people. I mean, he is a pastor. He is an amazing man. I love him so much. It was an honor to meet him, to be here. Uh, I want to tell you that, uh, this is a great church. Everyone I meet here is very tender and in love with the Lord. And I just want to encourage you that what God's doing here at Church of the Savior is huge. He wants to spread this out to other people. He wants to touch others. So very excited to be here today. And uh, I've got a, a good message for you, I think. It's on prayer, by the way. How many like prayer, huh? If you don't even know what prayer is, you're going to hopefully be swept into this by the time we're done. And I got great news for you, and it's uh, from the Bible. If you got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5, James chapter 5. But I got great news from Austin, Texas. Austin is a very liberal city, but God's changing it. Our dream is that Austin will be the most prayed for city in America. We believe in the last 14 years that Austin has been the most prayed for city in America. We've had a hundred churches that have prayed night and day for our city, and we've prayed exactly this many hours. Here it comes. We prayed 123,672 hours of unceasing prayer over Austin, Texas. How many believe God's good, right? 
to take a city that is not known for Jesus and to be able to raise up a prayer movement that now, because of God's grace, is going to lots of cities, to great cities like Lexington. How many believe God has more for Lexington than you've ever seen? Yeah? So that's where it starts. It starts in prayer. So I want to talk to you about who you are and about uh, what you're called to do here as a city and how everyone is a part of this. Everyone's a part of this. So if you have your Bibles to James chapter 5, I want to put a verse over this message today. Okay? It's going to be out of Psalm 109. And David said this. David said, in return for my love, they accuse me. And it, then it says in all the translations that you know, modern translations, old translations, word for word translations, it says, but I give myself to prayer. Say that, but I give myself to prayer. But that's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew in the ESV, what I have there, has a little footnote there. Psalm 109.4, instead of I give myself to prayer, David said, they're persecuting me, they're accusing me, but I am prayer. Say that with me, I am prayer. You see, it's different to do something than to be it. You can do prayer. I go to, you know, the first Friday, y'all have your day of prayer here. I want everyone, I encourage everybody to sign up to make Church of the Savior, the most praying church that you know in this city, to ignite other churches in this city. You know, 20 churches are already committed to praying night and day for this city. That's never happened in the history of Lexington. How many want Lexington covered in night and day prayer for as long as you live? Marianne and I were on a prayer walk, and the Lord said to us in 2008 in Cedar Park, Texas, suburb of Austin, we're standing under this light pole. I'm holding the prayer guide, and the Lord says to me, Trey, wouldn't it be wonderful if 31 churches would adopt one day of prayer every month and pray for 24 hours and pass it on to the next church, and they'd pray for 24 hours, pass it to the next church, and my city could be covered in prayer night and day until Jesus comes back. Amen? And when I got that call, guys, it was more than just a saying, hey, y'all ought to do this. It was like the fire of God came on me. You see, God wants to baptize us in fire. We burn for him. I'm going to burn for Jesus more than you ever have. I want to tell you who you are. You are prayer. You're not just a businessman. You're not just a housewife. You're not just a working woman. You're not just a mother or father or a single. You are prayer. This is who you are. And if you get this, it'll change your life. Your destiny is on the other side of your prayers. Your destiny is on the other. The destiny of this church is on the other side of your prayers. The destiny for Lexington is on the other side of the praying church, seeking God. How many want to be a man or woman in prayer? Today, I want to talk to you about how that happens. Through this James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone suffering? How many has ever suffered? How many are going through some kind of suffering right now? Raise your hand. Yeah, we can be honest at church. What are you supposed to do when you suffer? Oh, wait, I know what you do when you suffer. You call your friend and go, I'm suffering. This is terrible. Or when you're suffering at work, you say, oh, my boss is so bad. How many know that's not what we're supposed to do when we suffer? It says, when you're suffering, let him what? If anyone is suffering, let him pray. Let me ask you something. Is prayer at the center of your suffering? Do you pray when you suffer? You see, why we pray when we suffer is because we are prayer. 
We don't just pray because it's a good idea. It's who we are. Because God has made you as a child of God, a living, breathing, walking house of prayer. You are filled with God now, the Holy Spirit. And now everywhere you go, you pray. You talk to God and he talks to you. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Some of you may remember, we were here last year about this time. Marianne and I, when we got married, July 20th, 1985. That's right, right, honey? That's when it was. All right, got it. Two weeks later, we were leaving College Station, Texas on Highway 6. Just going 40 or 50 miles an hour. And a young girl maybe fell asleep or something, we don't know, but she crossed the double stripe lines and from the time she crossed that double stripe line and hit us was one second. And she hit us head on, she never hit her brake once and immediately she was pinned to the steering wheel and died immediately, 19 years old. And I would have died that day except for God did a miracle. This Bible was, this is the Bible that was in the wreck with us. The Bible was underneath the seat, Thompson chain reference was underneath the seat, and somehow, unexpectedly, the Bible came out from under the chair, hit the lever on the seat, and my little Honda Civic seat went back like this, and the steering wheel went over my head and then killed me. The Word of God saved my life. Amen? Amen. And if you look at this, it's still got blood on it from the wreck, from me bleeding, and, and uh, it's just a t- it's in my testimony. I want to say something to someone today that's suffering. Your, your suffering is going to be a testimony. But face it with prayer. Don't face it with doubt or moaning. Sometimes we moan a little, God. How many know God turns our groans into prayers, huh? That's one of my favorite passages, Romans 8, 26, where God says he turns our groans into perfect prayers because the Holy Spirit. I want to say to somebody that you don't think you're very good at prayer. God says, I want to use you the most. Lord told me, he said, when he called me to lead this prayer movement in Austin, he told me in the very first, he said, it's going to go around the world. And I said, but Lord, why didn't you call me to do it? And he said, Trey, I called you because you're the one of the worst prayers I know. God said that to me. And I said, well, why me? He says, because I'm going to take it all over the world and you won't take any credit for it because you know it's not you. I want to say something to somebody that's suffering today. You're suffering, but you're going to call out to God, and he's going to meet you in your suffering, and your suffering is going to be a testimony that you get to share all over the place. Listen, John Calvin, someone handed me a book by John Calvin, and I read it. It says, suffering is meant to awaken the sleeping church to pray. C.S. Lewis says, God speaks to us in our pains, but he shouts to us in our hardships. He wakens us. How many want to be awakened to prayer? Well, your sufferings are meant to do that. You know why you pray? Because you are prayer. Marianne and I, when we got married, we were on this car wreck. We were driving down the road unexpectedly. We never knew we'd be in a car wreck. We never expected it. The car hits us. We're pinned in. I can't move. My kneecap is torn off. My arm's broken in three places. My pelvis is broken. I'm a college athlete. I'm running a marathon. I'm, I'm a, on scholarship playing tennis. And I can't run anymore. I can't walk. I'm pinned in the car. I'm bleeding to death. A 13-year-old girl walks up to the car. She's the first one to the scene of the accident. She said, Mary Ann had her hand on me. It was crying out, Jesus, don't let my husband die. We've been married two weeks. Don't let my husband die. And she said, and you, she was in the hospital room. She said, and you, pointing to me, she said, and you were saying, Jesus. How many know when you don't know what else to pray, that's a good prayer? Well, let's try it. One, two, three. Jesus. There's power when you cry out in the name of Jesus. 
You know how you're going to get out of your suffering? You're going to pray your way out of it. God's going to meet you as you cry out to him. So this is our little testimony that we, we got delivered from, but you've got one. So you are prayer. So you don't just pray in the morning before you go to work. You don't just pray at lunch or at dinner. You are prayer all the time. But suffering is the first place in this passage it says, I want you to turn your prayers, your suffering into prayers. I mean, I think that's what part of the Psalms are. A lot of the Psalms are David's suffering. Psalm 22 is Jesus on the cross, turning his sufferings into prayers. How many are going through some sort of suffering right now? You say, Lord, I want to pray over you right now. Lord, turn their suffering into prayer because they are prayer. You are prayer. The second part of the passage says this. It says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone cheerful today? I woke up this morning and the first word in my heart was joy. The Lord says, I'm going to bless you with great joy today. How many want great joy today, huh? He says, if you're cheerful, what do you do if you're cheerful? Let him sing praise. Do you know what singing praise is? Singing prayers. So when you're cheerful, I'm to sing praises. I'm to sing prayers to God. I remember um, Dick Eastman who wrote, the Hour That Changes the World, powerful book. He says, one 30-day period, God told him to do nothing but sing his prayers. He says he went to this prayer meeting and everybody was saying, oh, Lord, and he, and he would just start singing. I, you don't want me to sing over you today, all right? It would, I would, my wife sings beautifully, but I make a joyful noise. That's about all I can do. But uh, God loves to hear you sing. I always monitor how I'm doing in my life. Do I have a song I'm singing? Do I have a song I'm singing to the Lord? You know, the Bible says in Colossians that we're to make it, we're to sing to the Lord psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, being filled with the word of God. How do you know you're being filled with the word of God? Because the response is you sing songs. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord. Do you have a song that you're singing? You see, if you're happy, you're to sing prayers. If you're suffering, you're to pray. God wants you to be a man or woman that is prayer. And all of life is to make prayer come out of us because prayer is where the transformation is. You know, the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask. I think it was Billy Graham or someone shared an illustration that in heaven, there's going to be places that will go and they'll say, oh, don't look over there. Why? Because that's all the things you could have had if you asked me. I wonder what you're missing that you haven't asked God for. Look at me. I wonder what your family's missing because we haven't asked him for it. So if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing songs of praise to the Lord. Make it joyful. Sing to him. One of my favorite things to do is to go down the road, especially when I'm alone, is is I'll I'll just make up songs to the Lord and just start singing them to him. I'll just start singing to the Lord. And I think, I know he delights in that. There's power. I was reading this morning um, about in Acts 16, about Paul and Silas. They've been beaten. How many know if you've been beaten and you're chained up in a prison? Singing is probably not the first thing on your mind. I got news for somebody here. You're going to sing your way out of your hardship. You're going to sing your way out of your tragedy. You're going to sing your way out of it because they were in prison and they started singing and God shook that prison 
and the prison guard got saved, he said to them, what must I do to be saved? Wouldn't that be incredible for someone to catch you singing when you shouldn't be or, or when you should be and say, what is going on with you? Why are you singing? Because the Lord is so good to me. Because Jesus loves me and he saved me. How many know we need the, the church to have a song in their heart? People got saved because Paul had a song in his heart in Acts 16. And it said, he, the jailer took him to his house, cleaned their wounds, fed them. His whole family got saved and they were all baptized. Because Paul and Silas sang when it was difficult. You know why Paul did that? Because he's prayer. Not because he should pray, but because he is prayer. Because God's on the inside of him and prayer's coming out of you. I read this quote. I think Bill gave, told me about a little devotional that I got online. And it was a, a, cho- a quote by Spurgeon that says, if when you, the faith you got didn't lead you to prayer, turn it in and get a different kind of faith. Hey, if your faith hasn't led you to pray, then somehow you're not quite striking it there yet. When you're suffering, what do you do? Pray. When you're, su- when you're happy, what do you do? Sing songs of praise. What does the scripture go on to say here? It says, if you're sick, if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. This is astounding. The first thing you're supposed to do when you're sick is call on the name of the Lord. Now, I know. The first thing we do is call the doctor or call him for medicine. No, no. I believe in doctors and medicine. I got a whole family full of them. But that's not the first thing we do as a Christian. The first thing we do as a Christian is we, we say, can we get someone to pray over me? I'm sick. That's what it says. Call for leaders of the church to pray over you when you're sick. And God will hear their prayers and he will heal your land. And it says if you sin, he'll forgive you. This is astounding. How we as a church have relegated prayer for the sick just as a rare deal. Like we, we get our elders and we pray for the sick, but it's rare that people come in. But recently a lady came in with cancer and we believe she's, she's being healed. We believe she's being healed. Because she came in and the elders prayed over her. And she just keeps telling me every week, Trey, my numbers are going back. They're normal. And she said, Trey, I've got more energy than I've ever had. And God has answered the prayers of the elders over me when we prayed over. Listen, you don't necessarily, you can get the elders, but you can find some Christians that love God and get them to pray over you if you're sick. Do you see what this passage is teaching us? If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing prayers. If you're sick, Do you see that prayer is not something we put just in some little side of our life? It's everything to us. Because your prayer, every one of you can pray for the sick and see them healed. Every one of you can pray for people that are down and depressed and see them lifted up. Do you know one of the the big battles that this generation is facing is anxiety and depression? How many believe God can deliver us from anxiety and depression? He can. I want to tell you a story. In 2015, my dad... He was, uh, he moved, we moved him to our house or to our city. He lived near us in assisted living. And he died a very horrible, painful death with Alzheimer's. And somehow his death almost undid me. Have you ever had anything you can't quite figure out, but I just love my dad and to spend time with him and to see him die was so painful for me. And it really, really, really undid me. It hurt me physically. It hurt me emotionally. I mean, I was so wounded. I told Pastor C, this is crazy. On December 24th, You know what day that is? 
Christmas Eve. You know where pastors are on Christmas Eve? They're leading the big service. Not Trey. I was at the hospital. Because my, my, my depression caused my blood pressure to go crazy. And I'm in the hospital. And, and my blood pressure so high, the doctor says, you're not preaching tonight. And I said, no, I'm not. Called my associate, which he loved getting this call. It's 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Uh, Pastor Mark, you're preaching tonight because I'm in the hospital. Why are you in the hospital? I don't know. I'm just not doing well. You know what my problem was? That I was depressed and I was, I was anxious. You know what I did? I called for our leaders of our church to come pray over me. And they started praying over me. And then I called for some of the leaders in the city to pray over. You know what you want? You don't want to hide your pain. You don't want to hide your depression. You want to bring it to the light and get someone to pray over you. Because the prayers of a righteous man and woman are powerful and they're working. How many men and women in this room that if you come down here today, someone's going to pray over you and you're going to find the power of God unleashed. It doesn't say here that God will do it if you don't pray. It says if you're sick or you're depressed, or you're upset, or you're anxious, call for people to pray over you. And that's what I did. I didn't get out of it overnight, but I'll tell you what. There's some people that you're battling some things you don't need to give up. You need to be like that woman, that widow who would not relent. She kept going to the judge. You will give me justice, the Bible says, to those who cry out to him day and night, God gives speedy justice. I want to tell you how my story went. I got a promise book. And on this phone, I got 12 promises at least. And every single day, I cried out, God, I need your help here. I called for friends to pray over me. And the Lord told me, he said, Trey, I want you to start with Psalm 1. Marion made me a prayer room in my house, and I went up there every night. And it was, it was difficult. I was working through grief. I was working through pain. I was working through, I mean, do we talk about this stuff at church? How many believe God can do a, a great more than we ever thought if we'll get honest with him? There's men and women today, you know, Leonard Ravenhill said, the church needs a baptism of honesty. If God would give us a baptism of honesty, God would come through in ways we never dreamed. So I want to tell you, I was depressed. I don't like, I don't, I don't, it was some kind of breakdown I had. But the Lord said, Trey, I'm going to restore you through my word and through the prayers of the saints. So every night I went up to my prayer room, started with Psalm 1, and I prayed through Psalm 1. It took a while, and I did Psalm 2, and I did all 150 Psalms. You know, Psalm 119 has a lot of sections in it. So it was about 175 days. Trey was up in that prayer room every night, a different psalm. And by the time I was done, God said, Trey, I'm freeing you. Through the prayers of the saints and through the word of God. How many are glad for the prayers of the saints and the word of God? The word of God and the prayers of the saints have not lost their power. God was going to deliver people and you're going to be a testimony. I'm telling you what he did for me. Had I not gone through that depression and found healing, I wouldn't be standing here telling you. I know a God who heals depression. I know a God who could take someone who has a wreck and they're supposed to die and they're supposed to have their leg amputated. But I I know the prayers of the saints would happen because they wheeled me in to amputate my right leg after the wreck. And the doctor said to my new wife, Marianne, we've been married 14 days. It says, Mrs. Kent, we're going to have to amputate your husband's leg. She said, doctor, we believe God answers prayers. He says, no, no, honey, I'm about to take your husband in there. I'm going to amputate his leg, and you're going to be pushing him around in a wheelchair. She says, I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to be over here praying. We believe God answers prayer. And she said, he he was really, he wasn't happy about it. The doctor wasn't. So he said, where's your dad? Well, Marion's dad and mom had come in from Dallas because they thought I was dying. 
So they went, the, the doctor said, tell your daughter I'm about to amputate her, her husband's right leg. And her dad, he's fiery. He has little short fingers. He's in heaven now, chubby fingers. He said, doctor, we believe God answers prayer. The doctor says, oh, prayer, prayer, prayer. Do your prayer thing. I'm going to do the surgery. We go in, he goes into there to do the surgery. But before, right before he comes to amputate my leg, there was a nurse named Carolyn. Carolyn reaches down and touches my foot with her hand. And she says, Jesus, would you heal Trey's leg? Because no circulation was getting down to my foot. And all of a sudden, she felt a pulse, not with a stethoscope, but with her hand. And she screamed, doctors! They came in, and I have a right leg. Amen. Amen. How many believe God answers prayers of the saints? I wonder if your healing's on the other side of telling someone you're sick. I wonder if your depression could be broken when you bring it to the light and say, could you pray for me? God is going to heal me. God has a plan. And I don't know why, you know, there's no shame on this. We all face stuff. We all go through stuff. Through many tribulations, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. I put that in the Trey version. Through much drama, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Don't be upset about the drama. It happens. Take it to Jesus and let other people pray over you. So what happens when you're suffering, you pray. What happens when you're happy? You sing praise. What happens when you're sick? You call for people to pray over you. At the center of your suffering, at the center of your joy, at the center of your sickness. See, I think we haven't let prayer be the center of our lives because we haven't realized we are prayer. Prayer's not a meeting we go to on Tuesday or once a month when we pray as a church. No, we are prayer. We are prayer. You are prayer. I don't care if you're a brand new believer. You, you know, Leonard Ravenhill said, there's one secret to a prayer life. You ready? The one secret to a prayer life is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will pray because the Holy Spirit is the power of prayer. And you're saved, you get the Holy Spirit. So inside of you is the best teacher and the one best to release prayer in you is the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you cheerful? Pray. Are you sick? Call for prayer. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Okay, wait a minute. It's when you're suffering, you pray. It's when you're cheerful, you pray. It's when you're sick, you pray. And it's when you sin, you pray. When you can't get over your sin. You see, we, we have pushed prayer out of this. I'm just, I'm just, I fall into this sin. I don't know what to do about it. You go to somebody that you trust and you say, I've fallen here. Would you pray for me? Did you look what it says here? Here's the promise. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person. How many are Christians here? You're a righteous person then. You've been commissioned to pray over someone. You're right. You have the righteousness of Jesus. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Power to what? Power to break that addiction to that sin. Power over the person who can't get free from that lie. Power for that person that can't get over that thing in their family, that, that, that thing that you've never been able to get over, that thing that happened to you. Prayer breaks it. 
I, I encourage you to do this. Find someone you trust and say, this is what I'm struggling with and bring it to the light. The Bible says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I had a guy in my church. He tells his story all over the world, so I can tell you. His name's Bill. He came to me. He said, Pastor, I've been committing adultery everywhere I go. I'm a businessman. I travel, and I just, I've been doing all this for years. But the Lord, the Lord busted me, and he won't let me do this anymore. So I'm coming to you as my pastor to confess my sins. He said, I've already confessed it to my wife. I told her everything. And he said, we're seeing a counselor. Listen, don't try this at home. I don't recommend this. He says, I want to tell the whole church. And I said, "Ah, Bill, I I, I just don't. He said, no, no, I, I have to. That's not what this verse says. The first verse says, find somebody to tell. But he said, I want to tell the whole church. So I don't recommend this. And sometimes it's God to do it. And this time it was God. Bill came before the whole church. He took 15 minutes of the sermon on Sunday morning. And he confessed all his stuff. And he called the men to come into the light and to repent. And that day we had a move of God that began on that Sunday morning when he did that. And men started gathering on Thursday nights. And we started crying out to God for two hours. I mean, two hours. Were, and and men, almost every man in the church came for about two years on Thursday night because of what happened in Bill's life. Because he got honest. He got, he got a baptism of honesty. And God did miracles throughout the church. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Hey, listen, I wonder what's on the other side of your honesty. You find a friend, you don't have to do it for the whole church. Find one or two that you trust and say, I'm struggling with this. I've fallen here. After the first service, a man came to me and said, Trey, that part of the service got me. And I've got a guy I've got to meet with this week and we've got to talk. Praise God. I wonder what's on the other side of your obeying this scripture that says, right here, real simply, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. What's on the other side of that for you? What if somebody comes to you? I remember I was doing accountability with a pastor and we would meet every week. And this is how you want to be an accountability partner. One of my accountability partner is one of the best known pastors in our entire city. He's written books. I mean, I've written books, but he's written books, books, books that sold big time. And I was meeting with him and I'd say, John, I'm struggling with this. And he said, me too, Trey. I'm struggling with that too. That's how you be accountable with someone. You, you, don't, you don't pretend you're all better than they are. You go, you know what? You're struggling. I'm struggling too. Let's pray to Jesus. I want to pray for you. You pray for me. Be humble. I wonder what's on the other side of you coming into the light. I wonder what's going to happen in your kid's life. I wonder what's going to happen in your marriage. I wonder what's going to happen in this church when we come into the light and we say, Jesus, pray for me through this person. Jesus, pray through this person that I can be set free and that this bondage could be broken. That's the promise here. The promise is that if you've sinned and you come to a brother and they pray over you, you're going to get healed of it. How many want to claim that promise in Jesus' name? What kind of freedom would come to the church if we, when we're suffering, we pray, when we're cheerful, we pray, when we're sick, we call for prayer, 
And when we've sinned, we call and confess our sins and let um, others pray over us that we could be healed. Do you see how this works? Prayer is everywhere. Prayer is all the time. Prayer is everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, God is using you to pray for people. And you're talking to him and he's talking to you. God wants to use you like this. Look at this last part here. The last part, this is my favorite part, verse 17. In Elijah was a man like ours, with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently, say fervently, that it might not rain and it did not rain for three years and six months. Can you imagine that? That one man prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And the Bible says that he has a nature like you. In other words, he's not any better than you. You say, well, Elijah was a prophet. Yeah, but you have God inside of you. You're a new covenant Christian. Your prayers have more power than Elijah's prayers. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And, and he helps you pray. And Romans 8, 26, he takes our broken prayers and he translates them to the Father. And says, this is what they were trying to say. How many are glad Jesus does that by the Holy Spirit, huh? He translates our prayers up to God. Hey, you know what happens to the person who prays? The Holy Spirit translates our prayers and corrects them on the way up. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, that your groans turn into perfect prayers. You pray the perfect will of God by the Holy Spirit's power. I want to challenge you today, men and women. The destiny of your family is on the other side of your prayers, your believing prayers. John Wesley said, it seems as though God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Wow. What does God want to do in your family when you realize you are prayer? You don't have to pray like the person over there or the person over there or the person over there. You have to pray like you. You have to pray like you. Let God pray through you the way that you pray. Honestly, full of faith. But it says here that if we'll pray fervently, he says like Elijah did, he prayed again and heaven gave rain and bore its fruit. I'm going to ask you something. Are you praying big? Are you praying big prayers for your family? Are you praying big prayers for your children? You know what we believe, Marianne, Lord gave us a word this year, that the prodigals are coming home this year. And you know what he told us? He told us through Marianne, he said, and it's important how you receive them. Do you remember what happened when the prodigals came home? Prodigal son, the father ran to him. Are you kidding? The son had taken his inheritance early and said, Dad, I wish you were dead and left and, and spent all his money on wild living. But when he was coming home, the father said, ran to him. And he greeted him with hugs and kisses. And he says, Dad, I'm not even worthy to be your son. I'm, I'm, I'm just a servant. He says, be quiet. Bring a robe and put it on my son. Bring a ring for his finger and shoes for his feet and kill the fatted calf. My son who was lost is now found. He was blind, but now he sees. How many believe God's going to bring prodigals home? Amen. Come on. We're seeing it. We're seeing it this year. We have people that have been gone for a decade or more. I mean, way off the path. And they're coming back home. Will you believe God for that, for your family? Hey, what does God want to do in Lexington? What does God want to do in your neighborhood? What does God want to do in your family? What does God want to do in your grandkids? What does God want to do in your apartment complex or where you live? 
with believing prayer. Fervent prayer. We have a friend in Austin named Will Davis. He's a pastor of one of our sister churches. And he, has a, he wrote a book called Pray Big. Are you praying big? I love small prayers, but are you praying big prayers? Do you pray prayers that it would be embarrassing if God didn't come through? Are you, are you praying big enough prayers that when he, he gets the honor for It's like me when he took me. He says, I'm taking you like a mid-sized church in Austin, Texas, and I'm going to use you to, to, to launch this prayer movement that's going to go way beyond you. And it's not because of you. It's because of me. But would you believe God to do extraordinary things through you? Would you believe God to save your family, all of them? Would you believe God that a revival would start in your neighborhood and spread out? That's what happened in our neighborhood. It's beginning to spread out. Because I couldn't reach any of my neighbors. Because I, I have big prayers for Austin. I want to make it hard for people to go to hell in Austin, Texas. The other day, Greg Steer came in. He's a youth, uh, he's a great youth evangelist and he trains youth to share Christ. Well, I said, no, come, I want you to come train our church. We had 150 people that were being trained for evangelism that day. And it was a cold day in February last year in Austin, Texas. And this is what he did. He goes, well, I've trained you. Now we're going to go share our faith. We're all like, what? We didn't sign up for that. He said, no, no, that's what we do now. And he and I talked about it. So we took 150 people to the mall on a Saturday. And I want to see, I, I was there, Mary and I were sharing Christ with people, but I was watching that place was invaded by 150 Christians and, and they were looking for anybody that needed Jesus. They're walking around, I, I see you all, I've, they've already shared with me. No, no, I'm gonna share with you again. What if that was like that in our city? It was hard to not run into a Christian. It was hard to not run into somebody who believed that they were prayer and that God could answer and he wanted to touch those people. It'd be hard to run into somebody in Lexington that didn't love Jesus. That's what we're believing. That everywhere you go, it's gonna be hard for people to go to hell. Well, my neighbor he lived across the street. He was living with his girlfriend at the time, and, and we did their wedding, but he didn't want to come to church. In fact, he wouldn't come to anything. I said, the men are going fishing. No. Until one night, he knocks on my door, 9 p.m. on a Friday night, and he said, I opened the door. He said, Trey, I got a problem. I said, what's your problem? And I knew in my mind, Mary and I had been praying for John and Ashley and the whole neighborhood by name because we couldn't win any of them to the Lord. You know, what's, you know what's key to your evangelism? Prayer. So we start praying every day. Lord, would you help us reach our neighbors? So all of a sudden, John knocks on my door. He says, I got a problem, Trey. I said, what's your problem? He says, I'm having panic attacks. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I went to the doctor. And I got this pain in my side. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid my wife's going to lose her job. And she's pregnant. We don't know what to do. I went to the doctor, and he checked me out from head to toe, and he said, John, you do have a problem. John said, what's my problem? He said, you got emotional problems. They're not physical. There's nothing wrong with you physically. Do you have anyone that can help you emotionally process? And he goes, John said, well, maybe Trey can. And the doctor, it's the only doctor I knew in the whole city, said, Trey who? He said, Trey Kent. He's my neighbor. He says, I know Trey Kent. I prescribe you, John, to go to Trey Kent, and he'll help you. We hadn't won anybody the Lord in our neighborhood in a decade until John came in response to prayer. And John, I, the next day I got together with him, showed him the scriptures, and I led him to Christ, and he wept and wept. 
And he said, Trey, how do I get going on this? And I said, we start reading the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This was Monday. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we'll talk, okay? On Thursday, he comes over to my house. John, what are you doing? He said, I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What do I do now? Because I told John, I said, as much of the word of God as you get in you, that's how free you're going to be. How free do you want to be? And he says, I want to be really free. That was seven years ago. John's read the Bible eight times in seven years. And now he's the one helping me reach all the neighbors I couldn't reach. He's helping me reach them. On Saturday morning, we go out to the cul-de-sac and men from the neighborhood come together. And we pray over our neighborhood because John's leading it. Amen? Amen? Do you have any idea the power of God that's inside of you that's released through prayer? I want to pray for you. Let Pastor Steve come up, and I'm, then I'm going, to pr- I'm going to pray for you now before he comes. Lord, would you awaken this amazing church? Every person here, there's a man or woman that's here that's not even a part of this church that you're going to save today. And if they're saved, you're going to ignite them with fire, God. And there's men and women here that have been saved for a long time. But Lord, you're saying to them, I've got more for you than you've ever experienced. Don't lose sight that you are prayer and that God's power is inside of you. It's released through prayer. God, this church is amazing. Lord, I love this church, and I pray that they would see you do extraordinary things that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, nor has it entered it in the heart of man, all that God has prepared for Church of the Savior through his believing church that is prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the worship team comes up, I'm going to ask the altar team, intercessors, would you come and stand across the front? This is a holy moment. This is the most important time. God wants to show himself true and strong and compassionate for you. If you're stuck, you don't know what to do, you're lost, you're broken, you're suffering. Maybe you got a daughter that's just breaking your heart because of her choices. Come and find agreement. There's extra power when somebody prays with you. And let some of these folks pray with you. You're welcome to come and get the Lord's table and just come and kneel at the altar. But you need to encounter the one that loves you the most. It's not about church. It's about him. Before I pray, I just want to tell you a quick story. Brother Trey and I went to a restaurant yesterday morning to meet a young pastor we both knew, and we had a good time visiting. And when we walked out the door, we gave final hugs, and we were walking to the car. And somebody behind me, I had my back to the restaurant, said, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve. And I turned around, and I recognized a young man who was part of our church family 25 years ago when he was a seminary student. And so we talked and hugged, and he said, I don't know that you know the final story of what happened. 
His precious wife was pregnant and the baby was in distress. And the doctor said, you have no hope. He said, my my child, the doctor showed us the x-ray had no lungs. And the baby was doomed to die. And he said, you and some other folk came over to our house and anointed my wife and prayed for that little one she was going to carry. We went back to the doctor and he said, I can't explain it. I don't know what happened, but here's the x-ray. Your baby has lungs. And that's been 23 years ago. I didn't know the end of the story. And about that time, the 23-year-old boy pulled up in front of the restaurant and he said, there's the answer to prayer right there. You don't even have to believe it works. You just have to believe enough to ask, enough to call out. So Lord, release faith in this room. People watching online, release faith. Give us a boldness, the desperation to cry out for your touch. And for anyone in this room or anyone watching online that's not given their heart to Jesus, may they say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come into my heart today. Be my Savior. I am tired of running. I'm tired of doing this by myself. I need you, Daddy God. Come into my life and save me and change me. In Jesus' name. As we worship, you respond. Obey the Holy Spirit. Come and humble yourself. Let him touch you. Let him help you. Because he can take you from here to there and further. So come and get prayer. Come and humble yourself. Enjoy the Lord's table. Let's worship. I've been every week sharing a Hebrew word for praise or worship and the word that God impressed upon my heart this week was Barak and that translates into praise but is actually another word for kneeling and um, I was just thinking of Daniel who knelt, of Elijah who bowed down. Um, seven times to pray for rain. And it's something, a part of our worship that we do to humble ourselves before a holy God. Um, It is also something that we do um, in an act of submission and an act of faith. So I also wanted to just let you all know that your, your seats there can become your altar as well as coming here and bowing down if you feel led. Give us clean hands, 
give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be the generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob, oh God, let us be the generation that seeks, that seeks your
as a team were praying and felt like we had a couple of words of knowledge. If, if any of you are needing healing specifically with your lungs, I feel like there's a grace upon that now, um, as well as emotional healing. If you are needing healing from depression or anxiety, please come up and, and let our team pray for you. And also, if there's anyone who's been in an accident and has hurt their right ankle, specifically, um, I feel like the Lord is wanting to touch you today. So please come up and get prayer. I've heard it said that in every great work of God, there are three stages. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. And then it is done. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. And then it is done. There's a sweet spirit here today. We're going to dismiss you to pick up your children right now. But if you'd like to linger, if you need prayer, if you receive that word of knowledge, it's a sweet spirit of prayer in this place today. God wants to answer our prayers more than we want to pray them. Why don't you let today be the day that you call upon God and let him answer for you. God, we thank you for being so loving. We thank you that your presence is beautiful. And we thank you that your grace is remarkable and that your power is too much for for us to behold. Thank you for your word today. I pray that it would just burn in our hearts as we walk out of here. Bless your people today and bless Trey and his church. And we pray for the power of prayer to continue. We are prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue to linger. Continue to come forward. If you have children, please go get them and walk out quietly. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.